the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Cynthia Hyatt is a relationship expert, executive consultant, and life management coach. Cynthia Hyatt uses her 30 years of experience as a licensed psychotherapist to now offer in-office or concierge services through executive life coaching, consulting, and image management in order to help you be your own best version. Cynthia also specializes in speaking to groups worldwide about how to be successful in relationships, as well as artfully handling life's challenges. She has had many opportunities to present numerous educational seminars and lectures on a variety of motivational, inspirational, and mental health topics around the world. Please take a moment to visit her website at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's Cynthia, H-I-E-T-T dot com. Her Facebook page at Cynthia Hyatt Incorporated for current events, updates, and inspiration during your week, as well as all social media platforms. You can hear this show as a podcast on iTunes and many other podcast services. Follow her on Facebook and Instagram. Now, with today's fresh insight, here's Cynthia Hyatt. Well, good afternoon and Happy New Year. I hope you had a good Christmas and New Year's time and that you are ready for this year because we are now in the new year. So I'm glad to be with you today and I want to give you an idea of this month. We are going to do all of it on fearless financial fitness. Now, understand, I am not a, you know, I'm certainly not, when it comes to money, I'm not a money manager, I'm not an accountant, I'm not a consultant in any of those ways. I'm talking about emotionally, what's going on with you and your money. And so I'm glad that you have joined me today, and we are going to have four segments this month about finances. And so today's segment is going to be, what is your emotional relationship? with money. Now, if you like uh, to watch things live, I did an Instagram on this as well. So that will post today sometime. And I did a shortened version of it. So make sure you check out Instagram. I have lots of different videos on Instagram. So today, what is your emotional relationship with money? And, And it is kind of odd when you think about the fact that humans can attach to inanimate objects. You know, we can attach to a car, We get attached to a house. We might get attached to, I don't know, a stuffed animal or a piece of jewelry, or we get attached to a TV show, right? And so you want to think about the fact that you do have some attachment with money. So what is that attachment? Is it healthy? What's what's the relationship you have? See, our relationship with money is just as personal and valuable really as any other relationship in our life. So it's an emotional topic, as it should be. So how emotional are you about money? 
So what do you depend on? What dependencies do you have that, you know, make you feel safe and secure in this world? Because money is a big one. If we have a lot of it, we assume that people feel secure. I know very many, very, very wealthy people that aren't very secure. But the idea, somehow, it just gives us that feeling. And so that leads us to... First and foremost, remember, I've told you this so many times, feelings are very real, but not always true. So how do you feel about money, about your money, about their money, about our money? What, what, what motivates you? Do you get a sick feeling in your stomach? Do you get a headache? Do you want to walk out of the room? Do you want to say, I don't care, do whatever you want to do with it? Or are you one of those people that loves to think about it and learn about it and track it and look at whatever is trending or whatever that, you know, whatever that may be? So always remind yourself, whatever you feel about money may not be true. It may be very real to you, but it may not be true. And this is why we always want to go to God and ask for the truth. The truth always sets us free. And God is always going to tell us the truth. He is truth. Truth in the flesh. So think about this. What does it mean? Is, is money management a talent? Is it education? Is it fun? Is it a hobby? Is it about survival? Maybe a little bit of all of those things. So why are we so emotional about money? Well... Money, if it brings a lot of emotions to you, you're not alone. So there's a really amazing financial expert, and his name is Ramit Sethi. And he really explains a lot about relationship with money. And it's just as personal and valuable as any other relationship in our life. So this is why I want you to think about the way that God has made us that we can attach to things that are inanimate. We attach to these things as a way to help us with security, to help us with confidence, to help us not to feel alone, to not be afraid. So recognize first and foremost that it's okay to feel emotional about money, okay? It really is. It is anything that's important to us is emotional. So what I want you to think about with your feelings is I want you to say, hey, I want to understand what's going on. I want to understand what my value system is when it comes to money. What are my fears? What are my needs? What are my wants? And what am I doing about that? Am I embarrassed about it? Am I afraid to ask for help? Do I think that I should know it all and I don't? So start educating yourself about money. Understand terms like credit and loan and compound interest and, you know, these different types of things, just the basics. Because oftentimes the fear of money comes from a lack of knowledge or awareness of it. And so finally, I also want you to be inspired by money. Not as a way to, you know, social climb, not as a way to make yourself better than somebody else or to replace relationships in your life. But I want you to focus on what you don't have, you know, not what you, not always what you do have. So sometimes we only focus on what we do have and we don't 
give the appropriate focus to what we don't have. And if we focus on what we don't have, we usually just commiserate and feel bad and less than, which causes maybe other maladaptive behaviors, right? So I want you to be inspired by it, that it can do some things for you that you may need, that you may want, that may be actually very healthy for you. But I don't want you to do it in a materialistic way. I don't want you to to think of it as a social climbing issue, that if I have this much more money, I'm going to be better than other people. Or if I have this money, I won't need these people. You see, there are, there are many, many extremely wealthy people that are extremely unhappy. So think about this. How do you feel about money? I don't want you to feel alone in this. See, for some reason, we all seem to feel, at least to some degree, that if we could get on top of our money and had a lot of it, we'd be happy. Well, the Hollywood elite and the royal family is not very happy. All you have to do is stand in line in the grocery store and look at all the tabloids and see how many people continue to be very unhappy. Even though they are revered by the world, they have tons of money, they have every help they could possibly have, they still cannot keep relationship together. So trying to get our good feelings about ourselves from the outside only works temporarily. It doesn't remove the feelings that we're trying to get rid of or that we're trying to ignore or deny. See, I don't know about you, but many times I'm not happy with my own feelings. Like I want to, quote unquote, stop having a feeling. I want to get rid of it. I want it to just go away. I want it to stop. And the truth about feelings is that they are simply indicators just like the indicator lights on the dashboard of your car. They tell you something. And if you ignore them, it might not go well for you. But, you know, if you have an indicator light that you've checked it out and it's fine, it just won't go off, well, that's a different story. You investigated. So I have to make sure that the truth about feelings is that they are simply indicators. Or they're like the smoke detector in your home. So do you immediately call the fire department just because the smoke detector is chirping or or is going off? Maybe it's a low battery, right? So we check it out. We see if it's true. So it feels really yucky when the smoke alarm is going off. But is it really, truly fire? So does money define you? Does money determine your self-worth, your legitimacy, or your value? Well, emergency services does not decide who to help or who to walk away from. The fire department goes to the homeless person as well as the multimillionaire. So money is not about worth. Not when it comes to whether or not your life is important. See, I tell you repeatedly, you're a one-time only occurring person. And that makes you very, very rare. So we want to think about this. See, tell me, tell me if this sounds familiar to you. Money allows me to pay bills and function in a capitalistic world. But besides that, I don't associate positive emotions with it. Right? It's a necessary evil to an end. So many of us and most of us don't necessarily feel good about money. 
we maybe don't understand it. We might think that other people have so much more of it. How come they've got it? We don't have it. So money is messy. It's complicated. And, oh, so very emotional. So I'm, I know I'm not the only person that feels this way. So how do we cope with this? How do we undo and redo our relationship with money so that it becomes a necessary tool that we need in our toolbox? It's not our identity. See, you know, think about the people that get identity out of the car that they drive. And if they don't get to drive that car and they have to, you know, it's in the shop and they get, I don't know, a Dodge Colt or something, and they are embarrassed out of their mind to even drive around in it, they get identity from it. So we don't want to get identity from, from our money. Our identity comes from the fact that we are, like I said, a one-time only occurring person. I'm a rarity. Nobody is like me. I'm unique. There may be some similarities because we're human, but I am unique. And so we want to be careful about this idea that money is going to make us be something that we think we should be, could be, would be, only if we could be. So this is Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next segment as we talk more about this issue of why it's such an emotional topic. Welcome back. You're listening to Conversations with Cynthia. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you're just now tuning in, make sure that you go to the website or to any of your favorite podcast servers and you can listen to the show in its entirety. So we are talking today about fearless financial fitness and we are doing it the entire month of January. And I have to tell you, this is not one of the more exciting topics for me other than I know how really amazing the effect on your life will be if you get a handle on this. And I don't mean that you become some financial guru, I mean, unless you want to be. But having a positive, healthy relationship with money is imperative for you to have the life that that is meaningful for you and to be able to do the things that God has called you to do. So I like this guy, Ramit Sethi, and he's the author of I Will Teach You to Be Rich. And it's kind of about the psychology behind our relationship with money. And, and it's very underrated, right? We, we don't, you don't see a lot of you know, mental health experts talking about money. And I thought to myself, that is kind of odd because money is a big deal. It's kind of the foundation in some ways of everything versus our identity, and our own unique value being the, being the foundation of everything. So this is what we want to think about. Our feelings are almost always unrelated to the financial decisions we make, and they usually indicate something much deeper. So why is this such an emotional topic? Well, you know, anything important in our lives is going to be emotional. So our relationships are emotional, our work is emotional, and so is our money. So one of the misconceptions about money is that it's all math. And we believe that there is this mathematically correct answer for questions like, should I buy a house or should I rent one? Should I go to graduate school? Should I take this job? Should I buy the car? Should I go on the cruise? You know, should I negotiate a higher salary? 
whatever whatever it is. So doing the math can help answer these questions, but there's no real foolproof formula to make money decisions. So because there's so many variables. Think about this. Buying a house can mean you don't have to pay rent. But renting might help you live in a city you always wanted to live in. Going to the university might be a better route to a career or promotion. But maybe, you know, it's going to be a waste of your time because what you want to do for your life and what your calling is isn't necessarily about concrete education. So our relationship with money is just as personal and valuable as any other relationship in our life. So it's an emotional topic, and it should be. So many times the feelings that money elicits is usually mostly negative. And that's for me, and that's true for many of my peers. And I know that that's, that, that, that happens. So first of all, it's really normal to feel different emotions at different stages of your life. It's kind of like climbing a mountain. So you might spend months training for it. You buy the gear, the equipment. You get to the bottom of the mountain. You, you feel good. That's how a lot of us feel when we're starting a, a new endeavor, like getting our finances in order or getting our health in order, you know, going to college or applying for a loan or something. But you may not fully understand how that's going to impact the rest of your life, but you're ready to try it. So you start climbing, you reach the first peak, you look around, wow, hey, look how far I've come. And then you realize that there's a lot you know, more to go, a lot more that you have to climb. And you might start thinking about everything you need to do to keep going. And you might say, you know, maybe I need to get more education. Maybe I need to go back and, you know, get some training in this area. Maybe I need to cut down on the size of my house so I can spend the rest of the money in the training that I need. I mean, it gets quite tricky. And we can fixate on all these feelings around how much there is left to do. And so in terms of a loan, see, that looks like thinking about what you've mortgaged, the interest on your loan, how much money you have set aside every month to pay for it, and then the kind of job you'd have to get or maintain so you can keep it or get to the next thing. So we, we oftentimes just feel really aggravated. And we, and we do this, right? We do the comparing and the contrasting. You know, wow, look at, look at the car they have. How'd they get that? Look at the house. Look where they live. Oh, they went on a big trip. Wow, that's an expensive dog, <laughs> right? And we think to ourselves, how are they managing all of that? Well, maybe you had parents that helped repay some of your loans. Maybe you feel guilty about it. So you start to ask yourself, you know, what is all of this really worth it for me? And this is where you have to say to yourself, this is normal. This journey is normal. It's still unique to you, and then it's also going to be common for all people. So I want you to understand that you may think that paying off your debt is going to make you happy. I think it does temporarily. I know the freedom from that. But once you do, there's going to be another thing you have to worry about. There's going to be more hills to climb. 
So it just means that your emotions don't always give you the full picture of your financial situation. It gives you maybe a temporary feeling. So let's try this instead. I want you to imagine your life if you didn't have any debt. What would that mean to you? What would that give you? But also, what would it take away from you? If you weren't allowed to carry any debt, what would you have to say no to? What would you have to let go of? And so this is where it's this strange kind of gray area when we are thinking about finances. And we have to get our own code, our own moral code, our own, we have to understand our value system, what we deem as important, what we deem as necessary, and it really doesn't have to make sense to anybody else. The only time it has to make sense to somebody else is if you are partnering with someone, if you have dependents. That's when you have to really be careful. You have to say, you know, these decisions are going to affect people that are depending on me. So you can make sure wherever you're at in your life, how much are these people depending on me and how much is that going to affect the way that I make some of these decisions? Because what might happen is it might mean that you have to learn the word no, and we've done a shows on no, what a powerful word that word is. It may mean that you need to lower some expectations. It may mean that you need to reevaluate your value system. Like, is it really that important for me to have a car like that? Is it really that important for me to have that address? Or do I want to recognize that, you know, I'm probably not going to be a multimillionaire, so maybe... I need to be able to say no to some things so I can say yes to really good things. So let's look at this a little bit more closely. The classic example of scarcity mindset, this is when you're focused on what you don't have versus believing and looking toward what you could have. And so what happens is that you believe you'll never be enough and there'll never be the things that you need. And you just have to live, you know, as a martyr right? So the things that you need that aren't, you don't have enough of, maybe it's money, maybe it's time. It could be anything. It could be relationship. It could be religion. So this is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next segment as we talk more about this idea of money and what our relationship is to it. Well, good afternoon. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host, and you are listening to Conversations with Cynthia. So make sure that you check out the website. We have lots of things for you. You can download uh, many of the, um, the questionnaires that come with the different shows. There's also some study guides and some booklets. And so I want you to really be able to take va- advantage of all that we have for you. And thank you for telling your friends about the show and and what we're doing and all the different social media that we have available for people. So I really appreciate that. And I want to make sure that you also are following me on Instagram. I've just now been doing Instagram Lives on Fridays. And so that's kind of a new thing to do, and I'm enjoying doing that. So make sure you take advantage of that as well. So we are talking about fearless financial fitness this whole entire month. And, you know, I, 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 
I'm probably feeling the same way that you feel. I really don't like talking about finances. I don't, I don't want to have to think about them. You know, I want to have these, like, ridiculous dreams of if I just had billions of dollars, I'd never have to think about it again. Well, that may be true, but then I still would have a life. <laughs> I still would have relationships or the lack of them. I would still be getting older, right? I mean, it's like I, I wish that there was some panacea, some something that we could just acquire and then everything would work perfectly. Well, that would be heaven, and we're not there yet. So we want to work on being the best version we can be here in this time and doing really, truly what God has made for us to really uniquely and originally do. That you need to do you. Nobody can do you as good as you can do you, and nobody can mess up as much as you can mess up. There is no competition when you consider how unique all individuals are. So as we talk about this idea of money, we are first talking about your relationship with it. So how do you feel about it? I mean, I, I really don't want you to think that you're alone, that, that if you have, you know, strivings that you feel are maybe wrong, maybe you focus way too much on money, maybe you love money, maybe you don't know what to do with money and so you hate money. So it's a necessary evil for you. Well, this is what we want to think about. We are in a world that money is always going to be here, whether it be money in cattle, money in, you know, I don't know what you have in your garden, whether it be what you own, whether it be what you can create, whether it be what you know. Maybe it's intellectual property, right? So I, I said in the other, you know, the, last, the first part of this show, I said, you know, if you think that money is going to make you happy, you really need to just go to the grocery store, stand in line, and see how happy the Hollywood elite is and the royal family is. Everybody has problems. Everybody has to do their own life. Everybody lives in a fallen world. So it's an internal job. So trying to get good feelings about ourselves from outside only works temporarily. It doesn't remove the feelings that we're trying to get rid of or ignore or deny. So many times, you know, I, I, I know I'm not happy with the feelings I have, and I want to maybe stop having that feeling. Well, this is one of these things that we have to say to ourselves. What, what is generating this feeling? What am I thinking? What am I expecting? What kind of grudges do I have? Where's the negativity? What's creating this idea that somehow something outside of me is going to fix everything for me? You know, it's the coulda, shoulda, what if, only then. Or if I had this, then I would feel this way. So money is messy and it's complicated. So as we talk about this in this next segment, we're going to talk about the feelings that money elicits many times. And we're going to talk about what to do with those different emotions at different stages of our life. And recognize that this is always going to be a necessary evil. I mean, for lack of a better, lack of a better term. But you're on a journey. And if it looks like you've got a long way to go, it's really normal. And so we want to break it up into different pieces that are much more manageable. So I don't want you to correlate your self-worth with the amount of money you have. 
And we talked earlier in the show about the fact that, you know, the fire department goes and helps the homeless person as well as the multimillionaire. They don't discriminate between who deserves help. So this is important for you to recognize that money doesn't make you more valuable or less valuable. It simply is a tool. Some of us are really um, adroit with that tool, and some of us kind of flounder around all over the place not knowing exactly what to do with it. So this is what I want you to think about. Paying off debt is an important process, and I advocate it for everyone. But it still is not going to give you the self-worth that you are longing for. Join me in the next segment as we talk more about how debt can feel like such an obstacle. Well, thank you for joining me today. I'm Cynthia Hyatt. You are listening to Conversations with Cynthia, and we are in our last segment. So I want to make sure that you can always go to your favorite podcast server. The shows are are loaded there, and you can listen to the show in its entirety. We also have study guides for you that we have created so that if you want to do it even as a group or as a couple or with your kids, it's a great way to just talk through some of these really hard topics that we have that we have to conquer when we're living down here on earth. So we're talking about this idea of fearless financial fitness. And the first segment of that, because we've got four, the first one that we're doing today is what your relationship is with money. And many times we actually think money is like a person or a real thing, and it's really a commodity. That's all it is. It's something that is created that helps us to get the things that we need, want, or hope to have, or... It, this is, it's not one of these things that actually has an identity. We get identity from money or lack of money. So honestly, you know, debt feels like an obstacle. It really does, and I understand that very, very well. And if I could remove that obstacle, maybe I imagine that I'd be able to make choices so much more freely. Well, if we look at that a little bit more closely, you want to think about when you speak about debt – it sounds like you want to go back to zero and start fresh. And this really is a classic example of a scarcity mindset. Uh, I'm sure you've heard that before. And the scarcity mindset says where you are focused on what you don't have or believe there will never be enough of something. So this could be money. It could be time. could be love. could be a partner. It could be, it could be health. But the scarcity mindset makes us operate from a place of fear. And you're playing not to lose instead of playing to win. And so you might feel like you have to give up on vacations or you feel like you have to give up on uh, some of the health care that you might need or eating the right types of foods, whatever that may be. You may be so afraid of losing your job that you won't try to negotiate a better salary. Or you might not take a new job because you're so afraid of losing that job or the benefits that come. And so often it feels, it's this feeling that people, you know, in your situation, that what we need to work on, I know it may be difficult to believe, but this feeling of scarcity or fear, it doesn't go away after repaying debt. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know if you've known or know people that have, you know, incredible amounts of wealth, but I know some of these people, and they really do still feel very scared. 
And so this is one of these things that even if you were to win a million dollars tomorrow, you would find yourself probably stressing about something else, like what to do with a million dollars, or even if it's really enough, or what people are going to be asking me for. And you know the studies that you have heard that people that have won the lottery within one year are usually completely in debt and bankrupt. So this is what I want you to think about. We're going to shift our mindset. Now, it's not easy, and it's going to take some time. But the simplest way to reframe from this kind of thinking is to flip how you think about your financial decisions. So instead of thinking about everything your loan couldn't do for you, ask yourself what you might have gained from it. And I do this in my office every day. I say, okay, here's the negative. What's the positive? There's always going to be either or. Which one am I going to focus on? What am I going to put my faith in? So when we think about this long-term approach to changing your mindset, it's also investigating ideas and thoughts, judgments, feelings, experiences that you've had about money. And so you want to be saying to yourself, you know, do I want to continue with this type of thinking? Do I want to continue with this belief? Do I have facts that support the belief or the thought? So it's important that you begin to say to yourself, I may need to create a whole new way of thinking about money and about wealth, about needs, about social climbing, about happiness. And where does happiness lie, right? So I always am reminding people, happiness is a short-term feeling. Happiness is always about an event. Something occurs. I watch a good TV show, I feel happy. Somebody tells me that I look good in whatever outfit I have, I look happy. I get extra money at work, you know, maybe a raise, and then now I'm happy. But how long does happiness stay? See, happiness is an event. It's like, it's like a moment. We have to make sure that we are managing the happiness quotient in our own life and that we are not having it be from somewhere outside of ourself all the time. That we are willing to say, you know, I'm in charge of my own happiness. And I also know that the people that are really good at being happy are very willing to feel sad. And they're not just striving for a happiness feeling every moment of every day. That their happiness comes so much from a full life of taking risks and maybe failing. Taking risks on a, on a human and maybe that human failed them. But this is what makes an overall life rich versus just thinking that we want to be happy. So whatever a rich life is, that, that definition is different for everybody. Now, money is, is a part of a rich life, I'm sure. But what else does a rich life include? So I want you to get specific about your life. What makes it rich? And, and everyone is unique. Some people say, you know, what, what would be a rich life for me is that my health was great. I didn't have to think about it. Maybe a rich life for somebody else might be that I get to investigate and, and really work on, you know, the arts that I love. I get to learn about them. I get to in, have that be an endeavor for myself. Some people want to do music. Some people say, you know, what would really make a rich life for me is if I was able to parent children that didn't have parents. That makes a rich life for me. Now, understand that all those things I just described 
have both positives and negatives. If you're the person that wants to help children that don't have, haven't had good parenting, it can be really meaningful, but there's going to be some tough, tough times. So if you're just looking for happy, I want you to realize it's kind of a shallow endeavor. Happiness only is a, is a moment in time. And it is very dependent on the external world. And so we want our happiness to be coming from what we're doing, what we are living, what we believe, what we are saying has merit, instead of just searching for a happy feeling. So you can also, you know, go even a little bit deeper and you can ask yourself, you know, what you do today, you know, what you want for today. And if you could have your, your dream for today, what would it look like? And then you want to ask yourself, and what would it take to make that happen? What am I willing to risk? What am I willing to sacrifice? What am I willing to invest to have that kind of a day? And it helps us to stay grounded. And it helps us to look at each day for what it is. So as we think about this, I want you to take a step back. So when we talk about where our feelings about money, where they really come from, what shapes them in the first place? Well, typically our psychology around money is usually connected to our earliest understanding of money. It stems from oftentimes the families we grew up in or the the culture that we grew up in. It stems from the media messages. It stems from, you know, our experiences of, of earning or of losing, and it's a value system we build for ourselves as we get older. And it's influenced many times by those external factors, like economic or political instability. And this goes back to when we're saying we don't want to be chasing the feelings. We don't want to be thinking that happiness, well-being, you know, um, uh, security, that, that all those things, you know, meaning and purpose are just outside of ourselves for us to go try to acquire. See, this is why it's important that you want to think about what did my family tell me about money? How much of that do I want to keep? What is my um, current culture telling me about money? Do I want to buy into that? Do I have a, a religion or a faith? What do they say about money? And do I want to adhere to that? See, as an adult, these are questions that you need to be answering for you about what money is for you. And that happiness lies, right? It lies many times. We have happy moments, and then we find out what may, may have been behind the scene. We have a happy moment, and it ends poorly. <laughs> this is one of these things where we don't want to be chasing the feelings. So when you ask yourself and answer these questions, you will recognize where your feelings about money are coming from. And it's a great observation. So this is where you know this idea about joy. And joy is something I want you to aspire to versus happiness. Happiness, you know, comes in different ways. Happiness comes from someone telling me a joke. And, I, and it was clever, and I feel happy. Happiness comes from the fact that, oh, maybe I made the, you know, the green light, and I didn't have to stop at the stoplight. Happiness could be somebody opened the door for me at the grocery store, or I found $5 on the ground. There's a lot of things that can create happiness, but what is truly joy, well-being, security, 
right? Those things create ambition. And it makes us feel more confident. And it helps us to strive and to also have the strength and the courage to work at accomplishing something and not judging it. So at first, we have to understand that when we build a healthier and happier relationship with money, we have to remind ourselves that the emotions about it are really okay. And I don't want you to necessarily remove the emotions from the financial decisions that you make. I want them to be a part of the deciding process. Because I want you to understand your values, your fears, your needs, your wants, your hopes, your dreams. And that that doesn't make you necessarily indecisive or greedy. It makes you human. We want our life to reflect us and to positively affect those around us. We want it to be all that it can be. And we want to make sure that we do it well. That's the majority of humans. There are always going to be outliers that don't. But the majority of us really want to leave really a good impression on the planet when we're gone. And we don't want to harm people. And so we want to become fluent in the language of money. And that means we have to understand what I was talking about in the beginning of this, of this, this podcast, the, the compound interest, investments, saving, percentages. We need to be able to understand these things and educate ourselves about these concepts. And this is one of the ways that we make money not be so scary. So I want you to understand that, that money cannot be the only inspiration. It, 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 won't, it won't give you the outcome that you're desiring. I want you to see money as a tool, the same way that we see our cars, right? How about the appliances in your home? Wow, you have a microwave, and look what it does for you. But you don't live for the microwave, and you don't go bragging about the kind of microwave that you have and try to show everybody your microwave. It's a tool. So this is what I want you to think about when it comes to money. Money is a tool. And I don't want you to have it become identity. So thank you so much for joining me today. I'm really proud of you for really pursuing the best life ever. And make sure you take advantage of the website and all that we have for you there. And I look forward to talking to you next week more about money. We hope this past hour has been encouraging, motivating, and inspiring to you. The messages and teachings shared during the show are given as a way to reach you, the listener, with ideas and insights on how you may not only improve your life, but have more successful and meaningful relationships as you become the best version of you. Cynthia is available as a keynote speaker or guest speaker for your corporate or spiritual events. Cynthia is able to customize a message for any audience attending a meeting, retreat, or conference. In addition to this, she oftentimes partners her messages with music as she is a singer and musician. Please contact her through her website at CynthiaHyatt.com. If you missed any part of this program, you can download the most current show from her website at CynthiaHyatt.com or hear a replay on your favorite podcast server. Please take a moment to visit her Facebook page at Cynthia Hyatt Incorporated and leave your ideas and comments about today's show. Now, be your own best version. Be my heart mender, my soul tender, the keeper of my life. Three-star 
General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.